when was the last time you saw somebody protesting in an IVF clinic, right? Yeah. And there are likely millions of embryos, like your friend, yes. yeah. easily. Yeah. It is a completely unregulated industry. I remember thinking through, maybe the only situation would be if the mom's life was in jeopardy, but still my knee-jerk reaction to that was, well, what if God wants to do a miracle? Like if the doctor says either the mom's gonna die or the baby's gonna die, what if you still try to have that baby and God works out a miracle. I've changed a lot about the way I feel about it. Now I consider myself to be uh, pro-choice politically, but very anti-abortion uh, ethically. It's nuanced as shit in here, man. <laughs> it's confusing. Yo, 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 that's a Joey Spence, and they call me the pastor with no answers. Some people think I do have answers, and I just laugh, and I just smile, and I say, what's up? This is Joey, the pastor with no answers, and I'm embarrassed about something you're going to hear on this intro conversation. My gosh, just 10 years ago. I was so concerned about my son being feminine and saying a particular word. And your guesswork right now is probably going in such more logical directions than the word that I actually did not want him to use anymore. I was recalling this story with Hayne and Ellen, and I just could not believe my ears when I was recalling this crazy Hey, shout outs to these people for supporting this podcast. Some of you for a very long time. And that's Stephen Bledsoe, Ashley Monk, Nick Pilch. What up? Jen, Luke Schumacher, Juan Mendoza, Ryan Davis, Chrissy Joy, David Treadway, and Zach Madeiras. New to the Patreon family is Tim Chu and Jacob Scott Moore. Thank y'all so much. And check this out. So us as a patron family, we give money towards donor seed to help in sometimes very urgent needs in developing countries and literally yesterday saved Maya's life, a little baby that needed surgery. We took care of it and I'm freaking insanely happy to be a part of just putting some good out into the world. My gosh, but you can go to donorc.com forward slash PWNA helps to see the story of that child and the need that we met. Hey, also, we are revamping the patron giving tiers, and I'm just going to tell you, get in right now as a $5 patron because you'll be grandfathered into the lowest tier, which will be $8, and we got a lot of things coming your way. One of them may be accessible right now, depending on when this episode comes out, but it is PWNA Raptured Podcast. Basically, I've got tons of content just sitting there with Pete Inns. Brian McLaren, Abby Norman, conversations about demons and Nephilim and all that stuff that's not edited. It's just sitting there and it's just going to be raptured, boom, and then put in your podcast feed that only you have access to. There'll also be some exclusive context, uh, con content just for you. We'll be adding some content just for you, but this is your own little podcast feed, so... 
join us as patrons. If not, then maybe you can just click on that DonorC link and, and check out DonorC. Maybe you can help out a little bit. Regardless, thank you for being a listener. Thank you guys for reaching out and saying what's up. I really do appreciate hearing from y'all. Hey, so just a suggestion that you listen to at least the first five minutes of the previous episode to get a little more context into this conversation. And I'm just going to challenge some of you. Well, I guess I don't have to challenge you. If you are listening to this episode right now, it's probably very likely that you are listening to it because you read the subject matter and you want to hear it. But So I'll just say a general admonition. Like I've encountered people where the subject matter is just so repulsive or radically different than our own postures, we don't even want to hear it. And I guess I take on the philosophy of if other people have certain points of views, can't it always be helpful to understand where they're coming from, especially when it's a fellow brother and or sister in Christ who believes in the power of the resurrection, just like you and just like me? Like, shouldn't we be all ears to understand like the conversation in itself It's so valuable, and that's one of the reasons why I do this podcast. I love y'all very much. Enjoy. Peace. Let me start with you, Hayne. I... So I'll give you my quick snapshot on what I think about all this. I don't know if it's me being in the South or, I, you know, I'm very liberal in many views, kind of conservative in many views, and I don't know how helpful it is. I know for sure there are some very feminine males, and I know there are some very masculine females. I believe there's gay guys, gay women, all that sort of thing. However, I do feel like it's a little inefficient to throw away all things that we kind of see as male traits and just say, no, that's not something that describes a male. It's just, there's really no gender significance. It's, you've got different anatomy, but that doesn't play into anything. And I will, I want to say upfront that I am totally speaking out of my ass right now. I don't know. I, I can't back anything I'm saying, but that's part of how I do this podcast. Like if me and Priscilla are having a fun conversation. I don't bring a professional into it. I just talk mass off here. Right. But I just, I really, I still think that there are some things that we can talk as, as generally male characteristics and generally female characteristics. And I do think it's important. And when I do this, I do think it's important to make qualifications. Hey, this isn't the case with all women. This isn't the case with all men. Right. But it just seems like we we miss an opportunity if we just say there's no difference at all because I just I guess I don't believe that. That may make me a very bad person. I don't know. I think that there's some things that males are just typically males. It seems like women care as a whole more, and this is why I think women should rule the world, is women have more sensitivity. They they want to go deeper in their thoughts. They want to be connected. And I think that is actually the antidote for all this shit that we see in our culture right now, it seems to be more of a woman trait. Right. I'll I'll stop there. You know, 
kind of my jumping off point, which I hope will create a foundation, maybe at least from where I'm coming from, is that I feel like that we would all agree that there are some differences. The problem in our culture is that we decide that we we decide to assign a worth, almost a value. And what I mean by that is, well, is is this trait more superior than another trait? And and coming from a, a hundreds and thousands of years where obviously women have been suppressed and been oppressed culture. And this isn't just American culture. I think we're going into European culture and South American. I mean, any, any continent picket other than maybe Antarctica. Yeah. Where uh, it's, it's just been male dominated and the culture, you know, whoever has the power assigns what's valuable in the culture. And they've, they've assigned that those male more specifically attributes that we, would always, I would think we would agree that that's a little more male. So you're saying it's more nurture for a male. I'm, I'm. What I'm saying is, you think that males are a typical way because that's how they're nurtured into it. I would say males that, are a certain way. I would no. I would say that that's really interesting. I would say our culture over hundreds, thousands of years have have developed a way of thinking about maleness and femaleness, and they've assigned worth to it. So. I want to come from a space where I'm not. I'm not saying that um, that one is better than the other. I'm, it's, it's not. It's, it's not binary in that sense. But I do think that there's differences. So, for example, as as a firefighter, um, on a typical structure fire, the reality is is that most of our male we have female firefighters as well. Most of our males physically outperform. They just they have more muscle mass. That's just reality, um, and that's not good or bad. It just is what it is. And we have some females that are unbelievably strong, but it's interesting that they have to work much harder in the weight room to maintain that strength. Usually, the flip side of that as a firefighter is that seventy. Well, real, real quick, real yeah. quick on that. I mean, Alan, is that just? That's just acceptable, right? I mean, we just know that men are just genetically. Yeah, I don't shrunk, think <clears throat> I don't think anybody is saying like let's get rid of all the majority of the genders. Uh, I'm completely on board with you. I think that there is there is a difference, and that neither one should feel shamed or be considered less worthy than the other, and that and that and that the differences actually are beautiful. I think they're important. See, I'm surprised that 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 Ellen, you think that most people are just like, yeah, of course there's... Okay, but the thing about... I want to be clear here. Uh, uh, When you are transgender, okay, that is like a a subset. That is a minority, right? Mm -hmm. Most people identify as male or female. And me saying that that, um, most people agree with that, it's like I don't, I guess, I think it's weird that you think that most people. The woke culture, let's say that. No, the, I the think ultra- that you might be making a lot of assumptions because. Maybe so. I hope I am. There's a difference between saying like, these are my pronouns. I go by she and her. Okay. So that's so sort of like a woke thing to do. Right. But that is not. It's it's pretty basic science that there are two main 
genders. I'm not saying there are only two genders. I'm saying there are two main ones, and then people who identify um, outside of those two are the minority. I mean, numbers-wise. Yeah, but right. I don't think anybody would agree with that if you're talking only about anatomy. But if you're talking about common ground, like someone's soul and how they view the world and how they process information. You're talking about and, masculinity and femininity. Yeah. Okay, that's different. I thought you were talking about like yeah. you're born a male or you're born a female. Right. So are, No, I'm talking about... Are, are, are you suggesting that the culture at large is trying to erase masculinity yes. and femininity? Yeah. Yeah. Which brings me back like to... It seems like that. It seems like that to you probably as a male. But mm. um, it's not that. It is that we are trying to get men to the point where they aren't raging assholes. And in order to do that, we need to like scale it down a little bit by saying, hey, come to the middle ground where females can be athletic and own their own companies. And men, you don't have to run the show and stop being such assholes. So but like, there are people that want to throw it all away. You do agree with that. They're, and you're sure, just but saying that's they're like, a huge that's, minority. That's not like... See, I think it's way more prevalent than what you're giving it credit for. And and just so you know where I'm coming but from, I live in the, I'm the first... I, I live in Seattle. There's like... I don't know if there's like a more liberal place in the Pacific Northwest. I don't... I, I disagree with what you're saying. Okay. No, that I'm that's encouraging. It really is encouraging. And and just so you know, my context is Priscilla is the fix it person. She is she's she's not great, but she's way better than me when it comes to swinging a hammer, fixing stuff, troubleshooting, that sort of thing. So, we don't have like like my kids are going to grow up remembering, oh yeah, when something broke, it was mom or her father (laughs) it wasn't it wasn't ever dad so i definitely don't have like this macho i've got to be seen as like the tough one and the you know better with a hammer and all that ridiculousness um well you also watched her give birth a few times so i don't think whacking with a hammer is shit compared to that i thought (laughs) when you were saying whacking you were going to go back to something else oh Oh, my lord <laughs> and I'm sorry. I feel no, for whatever reason like I have to apologize for Joey sometimes. Oh, it's all it's all good. He and that I, makes me feel close to you, Ellen. I know. You feel close enough if Priscilla to me to was here, I wouldn't have to say that, but someone's got to step in. You know, coming from probably the most liberal city on not on the East Coast, but in the Southeast, you know, Ash I'm from Asheville, North Carolina. Um, and I work for the city. I would agree, of course I'm in a southeastern context. But a liberal southeastern context, I agree with Ellen. I, I don't feel like it's, a, it's 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 a wipeout or it's trying to be wiped out from the whole. But I do feel like that in a sense there are uh, I don't know if it's the media or the really outlandish maybe woke voices, yeah, which I think are fewer than the media and culture want 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 you to believe. You know, yeah. Um, I just don't know many people that are suggesting what you're suggesting. You know, Like, I'm yeah. going to raise my kid and I'm going to let them choose later. That's very – it's a, a tiny percentage of people. Yeah. Tiny. I can count – the. I, I do know people that have done that. I can count them on one hand. That's you know? cool. So, I'm, I'm going to – 
I'm going to keep making my daughters wear a lot of pink. That's awesome. I just thought that maybe I was a little off with that. You're such a dick. The key here is that you should make them because you are the man. Yeah. Y'all listen, y'all listen, listen make to them. how much... Yeah. Y'all listen to how much I have changed and matured. Like this is real deal stuff. Like I I shudder at this. So my son is now 11 years old, but when he was uh when he was super young, he would um so he would literally say whoopsies. And it just bothered me. I was like dudes don't say whoopsies. <laughs> I would literally tell my 2-year-old son I was totally son, expecting something way more too. feminine. Oh my God. It's horrible. I cannot believe I did this. Like I literally told him, do not say whoopsies. Like we we dudes don't wow. say whoopsies. Yeah. Totally mess. I mean, I mean, now he's eleven, his little brother's nine. I mean, I, I kiss him on the head, I kiss him on the cheek. I mean, we've we I'm not like that anymore. But here's another story. My so William, he had two older sisters, and it was just him and his older sisters. So he was always gravitating towards the toys that he that, that they played with. And finally, I just got fed up. I said, you're getting in the car with me. We're going to Target. We're buying you superheroes. Now, s- some some people would be like, that was just lighthearted. You're just doing like a dad thing. But it really did bother me. I was like, wait a second. This this could be bad. <laughs> wow. Because, you know, oh, toys are what make people gay. Right. Exactly. 100%. Exactly. Yeah. That and whoopsies. Now- I do. I will say this reminds me. I thought you were going to say something way worse, like calling his underwear panties. His underwear, because <laughs> my daughter said, "Oh, I need to change my panties." Once I was like, "Who told you that word?" Yeah, Priscilla. Maybe this does not goes back to word. some like sex shaming stuff. But I was like, "Who told you that word?" Yeah, I had to have a little talk with my mother-in-law about how we say underwear and not panties, because panties is. For hookers. Oh. What I think is, I, I like it better without the T, panties. Panties. That's how we say it in the South, yeah. panties. <laughs> panties. P-A-N-N-I-E-S. Please stop saying it. I hate it so much. <laughs> I'm not saying, I'm saying p- panties, not panties. Uh, well, yeah, I'm saying panties. 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 Stop, please stop. People. So let me give you a little bit of background on me, Melissa. And Ellen, I think you kind of know this, but I grew up very, 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 very evangelical when Priscilla, Priscilla's my wife, when we were just getting to know each other, I remember the Gore-Bush election and how she, one of her best friends was working for the Gore campaign and how she was kind of excited about Al Gore. And I'm like, how could you vote? for someone who is pro killing babies like how could and pretty much just roasted her like like this is this is you you can't do that and i would say for a very long time it's like rape and incest uh like that's so horrible but we just can't we can't we can't terminate a human life. Um, I remember thinking through maybe the only situation would be if the mom's life was in jeopardy, but still my knee jerk reaction to that was, well, what if God wants to do a miracle? Like if the doctor says either the mom's going to die or the baby's going to die, what if you still try to have that baby and God works out a miracle? I would say the first time I, I, the first time that I rethought anything from, from very black and white, 
I was on a men's hike, ironically, with a lot of evangelicals, and I was talking to a friend of mine, and it's it's funny, he had the British accent, he's a scientist, so just so you get the whole feel, just this brilliant scientist guy, and very evangelical, and I was absolutely stunned. So we had all the time in the world to talk about all kinds of stuff, because we're literally hiking for miles and miles and miles and miles. Abortion comes up. And he literally says, you know, I think there's a whole lot of things going on here. Like there's some people who feel like until there is consciousness, is that an actual human? Or there's other people that feel, is that a human if the heart's not beat? And and I could not believe that he was questioning anything. I was like, oh my gosh. And so now I would say that I'm definitely in a learning stage. I feel like I would still, I mean, if, gosh, if you want to break it down to pro-choice and pro-life, and I'm, I'm looking forward to our listeners hearing, Melissa, how you don't use that, those terminologies, I mean, I guess I would say I'm more pro-life, but I think it's a lot healthier, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Ellen, why don't you give us a little bit of your journey and then I want Melissa to jump in. Is that okay, Ellen? Yeah, yeah. No, I very similar to you, Joey. I mean, I remember wearing a George W. Bush t-shirt and knowing only that the right way to, and I was, what, 16? I didn't even vote. <clears throat> but just being so proud that I was pro-life because, you know, just the same shit we hear now, which is like, if you vote any other way, you might as well just be taking a machete right. to, to newborns. Right. Um, I've come a long way. Um, I consider myself to have a consistent life ethic, uh, which I'm really proud of. Um, and I am happy to say that when there's a gray area, I am comfortable saying I don't know and um, I believe that nobody wants um, abortion to be a need or a necessity, a necessity for anybody. And that if only real, like conser- politically conservative people could figure out that they actually have the tools to get rid of abortion other than making it illegal um, by creating support for women who think they need abortion, you know, I've changed a lot about the way I feel about it. Now I consider myself to be a pro choice politically, but very anti-abortion, uh, ethically it's nuanced as shit in here, man. <laughs> it's confusing. It's like, yeah, but what about an ectopic pregnancy and ectopics are like, that's the, that's always the elephant in the room for me. I love talking about yep, it. Yep. So, Melissa, how do you, what name do you go by? There, you have a couple of last names, is it? Yeah, it's all, it's all part of the last name. Yeah, all the whole thing. Say it together. all. Floor, floor. Give it a shot. Give it a shot, Joey. I want to hear you say it. Floor Bixler. Yeah. It's, Boom. It's, it's, Look at that. It just looks like it, it sounds. Gotcha. It so, Mennonite Pastor, you graduated from Duke. Holy cow. So you hate the Tar Heels? 
Um, or you don't care. <laughs> yeah, because of the um, Nicole Hannah Jones thing, like it's very hard um, right now yeah. to like have any sort of good feelings about UNC. Yeah. We have a very it's a, it's complicated, yeah. but not because of basketball, because of racism. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say you don't you don't I mean, don't know you at all, but you don't you don't scream <laughs> basketball fan to me. <laughs> I do I do love do basketball. I feel like it's like kind of a, like an ethical like sore spot, but. I, you know, but it is what it is. So you'll, you'll, you'll get a, a kick out of this. We, my wife and I, we just took a trip a few months ago to pick out our little puppy and it was in that area. So we went to the Duke campus and I'm just a huge, huge basketball football guy. And so we did a little bit of investigating and I was thinking, I was hoping against hope that maybe I'd be able to sneak a peek on the inside of the uh, basketball Coliseum mm-hmm. or whatever yeah, you call yeah. it. And so we were pretty sure that we had found the building and there were like some Duke students walking around and everything. And I just couldn't help it. I said, excuse me, sir. He was probably younger than me. I said, is this where the Blue Devils play basketball? And he smiled and he said, that's it. And then in front of a bunch of people, I was just like, I just had to know. I just needed to stand here and I just had to know. And the, these young students are like laughing like at this ground. old guy that's just like, I just I just needed to know, yeah. needed to know. To touch <laughs> the hand. That's right. Yeah. So, Melissa, do you, do you understand that black and white mentality of – Hey, this this should not even be on the table. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I also grew up in a very pro life home with yeah. a parent who was a one issue voter. Um, but I think for me, the the sort of unraveling of of the politics of abortion it started pretty early. Um, I I remember in middle school there was a young Republicans club, and I grew up out, right outside of DC, so yeah. like. Politics was like, was very visceral in our, in, in my community. Um, and I remember coming home and telling my mom, I was like, mom, something like they, something is wrong because they are, um, they said that they were for, like, they were against abortion, but for gun, like people having guns and that like, obviously that's wrong. And she's like, actually, honey, I have something to tell you. And I was like, and I was like, and I can't, it's just like so classic. I was like, no, I'm sorry. Like a human adult, like who's been alive for a long time. You you must be wrong. And I, a 12 year old, must be right. About, like, <laughs> that you're wrong. Like, because something is amiss here. So for, like from very early on, I could sense that, that something was up with the conversation. Um, but it is really hard to get past the like, um, mur- like you're murdering babies part like that's which is like I think why it works so well as a political tool for for the Republican Party um, and so I I was kind of laughing because I don't know what happened along the way but my first president's presidential election was also um, Bush Gore and I voted for Ralph Nader <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. wow I was like I've never met anyone that's voted I'm for the Nader. One. I'm the one. That's pretty cool. You, Ellen. It was like, I went to Nader rallies in Boston. <laughs> I, was, I was like very into the Ralph Nader thing. So, so even then, like my, my politics have been pretty far to the left in a way that, yeah, I mean, from like very early on again, that haven't always mapped naturally onto sort of what we consider the 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 polarization of the two parties. Um, 
And, and so I think that that it's been a journey, that's been a journey for me too. Um, but perhaps something that maybe just is a, is a bit of a different part of my story than yours. So we will run into this every now and then. Priscilla, my wife on Facebook, said something that made it clear that Trump not being president was kind of like, man, this is cool. And there was a, a dear lady that we love and basically said, how, how could you? And it was abortion. Yeah. How could you? Abortion. Like, basically, that's what she's saying. Abortion. How could you? And I... What what you said, like I I understand that mentality for sure. But man, if the Republican Party hasn't done a number on on this one, right? And and I think one way we can like just in the numbers that we know that is, um, we know something like eighty seven percent of Black voters um, vote for Democrats, and the vast majority of of Black people in this country are social conservatives. They are are anti-abortion and they are not for LGBTQ rights. Um, like that is, it's, it's not as if the democratic party is like, like the base of the democratic party is, um, black Americans and that. And so, so, so to say, Oh, how could you, right. you're, you're basically saying that to like basically the vast majority of, of black voters in this country. And so you never hear, or I shouldn't say never, um, you very rarely hear um, that argument coming. Well, obviously, we're not going to vote for Republicans because Republicans like want us like are for our destruction, right, as black people. Like and and there's like a myriad of ways that that we see this. Um, And I mean, one of the one of the most, I think like stunning examples of this is when we look at um, the states that have the most stringent abortion restrictions also have the highest infant and maternal mortality rates. Um, And that is, and those mortality rates are vastly skewed towards black women. These are the states that have refused to expand access to Medicaid, which leaves many women without access to healthcare during their pregnancies. So like we'll take Mississippi highest infant mortality rate in the country, 8.6 deaths for a thousand lives for a lot, thousand live births. Um, in Louisiana, the preterm birth rate for black women is 51% higher than all other women. Right. So you have, so of course you're not like you can be anti-abortion all day long. And if you are also supporting laws that are like, are the death of, of black women and their babies. Right. Um, and so this is again, where, you know, I think we hear right. this a lot. Um, pro-life is just pro-baby, right? That's actually not true. It's not even pro-baby. It's not pro-fetus. It's not pro-baby. And the most you could say is that is it is an, a, an attempted protective class for healthy white infants. Um, but it is, it is um, the same people who are for restrictions on abortions um, overwhelmingly and consistently are, um, support laws that make it, um, more difficult, uh, for women to, have, and to, have children, to, to have babies that are healthy and more likely for women to die in childbirth. Gosh. Oh man. We, we were emailing back and 
coming at us with I those know. stats. I got the stats. I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm just here to drop the science. Yeah. Right? Hey, hey, for you to validate yourself before this interview, you got to give us some verses too. You can give us stats, but you give us. <laughs> hey, so we were emailing back and forth and I was like, hey, I want to talk to you about your book also. And you said, you know, as, as far as like speaking about the, the time that you wanted to make sure that we honor, in your words, the complexity and trauma of this one moment for women and, and health of women. I would love to hear the heart behind what you just said. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that the, that those statistics are, are sort of the, are highlight yeah. sort of the, the issue that we're facing. And, you know, as we're recording this podcast, we're waiting for the Supreme court to issue a decision on a Mississippi abortion law that would um, basically restrict abortion to the point where most women don't even know they're pregnant um, before. <laughs> so so it, 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 it narrows the window down to maybe two weeks, yeah. maybe even less than that. Um, and so this is um, like, this is the, I think the time where those of us who maybe have been sitting on the fence about this question, or, you know, we don't really know, like, I think like, as I think we, as we're expressing here, like the complications of this, like it's about to get very real for, for a lot of women. Um, and a lot of women who, um, have very little access to healthcare, who have very few options, who are in poverty, who are black and, um, Latina are going to find themselves faced, um, with it's, it seems to be moving in the direction of, of pretty much a, a total elimination on, on the choice to, um, end a pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's important, it's an important time for us right. to sit with like, what the, what, what does that actually mean for our world going ahead? Yeah. Um, and it means a lot more than even just more babies in, in our country. Yeah. 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 So let's go to the, the scientist British accent hiker guy. Where do you fall when it comes to the actual morals? It, do do you have like do you have it worked out in your head? Uh, some of that stuff scientifically, like is is it uh, is he or she a human at this early of a stage? And I do want to point out some hypocrisy that I mean, golly, a, a, a friend of mine even acknowledged this hypocrisy. He's anti 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 abortion, pro pro life, and him and his wife, they have frozen embryos that are never going to be touched because they have their kids now and there's leftovers. And so he's dealing with that hypocrisy, but my gosh, like it's, it's there like that. That's, that's a big thing to, to be very pro-life, but to say, yeah, we're not going to do anything with that. But yeah, I'm curious the, the, the morals and how you've thought that through is especially given that it sounds like your journey started in similar places as Ellen and I. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's actually, that, um, what was also a big, a big piece for me and sort of the, like the, 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 the politics of this, because yeah. I don't think the politics can be separated from the ethics or the, or the morality of this. Yeah. Um, but that real, like that sort of light bulb moment for me as well of when was the last time you saw somebody protesting an IVF clinic? Right. Yeah. And there are likely, millions of embryos like your friends yeah. easily 
It is a completely unregulated industry, right? Um, And it's likely that um, a lot, most of those embryos are going to be destroyed or used by science. Um, And we, we don't have any laws moving through states that I know of um, that are, are attempting to put restrictions on, on um, assisted reproductive technologies that produce embryos. Yeah. Right. So something feels amiss here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I also know that 14% of evangelicals think that um, having frozen embryos is immoral and 56% believe abortion is immoral. Wow. But what's the difference? Like, how, how is it? How much any of difference? that do you think is body autonomy? Because I've wow. I've kind of sunk in recently to 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 realize that body autonomy is not a Christian value at all, which is why, like us as women, we're taught, you know, our body is God's until it's our husband's, and it's never ours. Which is, I think, why um, Christians have such a hard time understanding. Wait, the body that's true, autonomy, right? Um, what you just argument. said. <laughs> you're shut up Drew. um but i think with the ivf i think it it's so interesting because it leaves the w- woman's body out of it and there's no argument about it that, that's exactly right Gosh. ellen yeah when when have you heard stories about the women like it's always like um you know we we hear about the fact that there is like a, a fetus involved or a blastocyst or a embryo right but but that's almost always a one-sided conversation and it's a woman-based conversation because there are also no laws that are going to punish men who impregnate women who um, do not want to be pregnant. In fact, in Mississippi, there is a law that a sperm donor is not the legal parent of the child that's produced through that sperm. How does that make, how does that make sense? Like, like it, Hey, well, that actually makes sense to me because if they are a sperm donor and it's 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 anonymous, then you're basically just like providing a cell structure. So to me, it makes sense that they're not like legal parents, but they're still biological. Oh, I see what you're saying. There it is. I got yeah, that. Right? <laughs> if that's true for men. Why? Like it's there. It's the it's the inconsistency well, of that, right? Um. It's the patriarchy. Absolutely, Ellen. It is. There would be no abortion without sperm, Joey. (laughs) Correct. Every every abortion results from a man's um, uh, a mission that um, that produced a a fetus that was unwanted. Right. That that's the key. That's the key. And men are never, literally, never a part of this conversation in terms of punishment, in terms of responsibility, in terms of tracking now, it's not that hard to do. Like we have DNA tests, like we, like it's not, this is not an impossibility. So we start sort of adding, I think it's, these are like building blocks. Mm-hmm. So you have like, oh, wow. Um, look at that. The IVF industry is actually like a billion dollar industry that 85% of the people who use it are white. Mm-hmm. Um, abortion is vastly used by um, women of color um, who are in poverty. Okay, so we have those those building blocks. We have, oh, 
we're not actually concerned about embryos. We're just con- that are outside of women's bodies. Just those that are concerned. We're just concerned with those that are inside of women's bodies. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Men aren't responsible for this, but women are. Right. Oh, that's interesting. How do we fit this all together? Right. And so eventually you develop this picture that is, that is, that is that there is, there's something going on here um, that, um, that I, and I think that word hypocrisy is really important. Um, that there is a hypocrisy happening in the pro-life movement, in the anti-abortion movement, um, that is not willing um, to grapple with the fact that if there is an exception, you can no longer call abortion murder. And so that's really where I think this gets to your question about. Well, under the law, it's not murder, correct? Um, the terminology is not. Not yet. <laughs> but I'm saying oh, for the, yeah, for the pro-life movement. Um, and I think this is actually, I really actually, like when people say um, baby killer, I mean, if you really do believe that a sack of a hundred cells is a baby equivalent to a one-year-old or a three-year-old or a 20-year-old or a 60-year-old, that, that, then we need to just be clear that that is, that what you're saying is that anybody who ends a pregnancy is a murderer. Like that's, this is the way our law works. Um, it, it, you don't get like, a, there's no like, oh, I, you know, I like, um, this person was, was, unless you're in Florida, I guess, like going to harm me. And so I killed them, right? Centoya Brown, you still go to jail for the rest of your life right. um, for murdering your sex trafficker, right? Like there are no exceptions. Um, and so what people who are pro- But, but I would- but the only difference between that sack of cells and a 13-year-old is time and cell development. And the b- difference between a 13-year-old and an 80-year-old is time and cell development. So ethically, like, to me, that makes sense. I'm- there's nothing, there's no difference between, like, the, the, the vagina is not a magical, like, um, human life-giving tunnel because there's nothing magical that happens between my uterus and the, well, in my case, the, the floor of my bedroom where my babies came out. And so that's, that's always such a, an interesting conversation for me is like where human quote unquote human life begins personhood. Because for me, I've had to say, well, it's not at 18 weeks. It's not at 24 weeks. I have to I have to say for the argument's sake, so that I'm not wishy-washy, I have to say at conception because science tells us that's when new DNA started. So it's been really tricky because I, because I have a, a consistent life ethic and I believe that in no violence whatsoever. And I believe that abortion is violence. And I believe that uh, personhood starts science tells us when there's a new unique DNA developed, which is at conception, it's like, well, shit, that is a hard place to land. Cause I don't want to be there, but I kind of have to. So you're right. I have to say, if you're going to, you know, like decapitate, um, you know, a 37 year old and abortion, most of the time is decapitation um, to me, that's both equal violence. And so it's, it's hard to land on the, oh, but it's, you know, it's, 
do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's so hard for me to have a consistent life ethic and be politically very liberal, but then come back to this sack of cells argument. And it's like, it's so hard to weasel my way out of it without just saying, well, I decided that life begins at conception and I have to navigate this through relationship instead of just saying you're wrong. I'm right here. Like, which you, this is a good example of um, a lot of conservative people who hold my belief would say, well, you're wrong. You're sinful. Uh, It's, it's a challenge for me to say, you're absolutely right. And this is wild. And um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And Ellen, I want to just jump back to a few things. Um, So one, um, most abortions happen before um, 12 weeks, over 86 of them. And that is, um, and that's a non-surgical procedure. And so there isn't actually any, there's no deep, there's no, um, any of the sort of like things that we hear about fetuses being pulled apart or like none of that happens. It's all done with. Well, a DNC is pretty brutal. I've had one and it is, it is no joke. So anything that happens before 12 weeks is going to be a chemical, uh, is going to be a chemical abort, right? Right. It's not a DNC. And that's something like 86% of abortions. So I would just, Oh, you're saying before 12 weeks. Yeah. I had a DNC. It's well, that's regardless. Yeah. At at 13 weeks for a miscarriage, I should say. Yeah. (laughs) Wouldn't that be surprising? (laughs) Yeah. But just to say the the vast majority of of abortions are not DNCs. They're chemical abortions where someone is given a pill, they're sent home, their bodies. That pill almost killed me, by the way, that misoprostol almost actually killed me. Um, and so the other, so the other thing I just wanted to kind of push on is um, the the scientific definition of of personhood is different than the scientific definition of what it means to to be a human. So I think we can agree that you're right at conception, um, something human is made. It's not a frog, not a, it's right. not a um, a penguin, right? It's it's human DNA. That does not mean that that is that that is a person. Personhood is a moral and ethical decision that is um, that has been made at different points in different cultures over time, um, and it cannot be settled by science. Um, Are you talking about sentience? Sentience is that the it, word like talking? a person with rights? So a person with rights, according to our constitution, according to like when does life end? Right, is when you no longer have brain activity. That the brain activity we're talking about is actually really hard to chart, um, but we almost are right. almost certainly know that the that there isn't enough brain activity for there to be anything such like anything like consciousness um, until a fetus is at least 25, 22 to twenty five weeks old. Um, and so I want to just re- this is where I think it's really important for us to sting- to distinguish between when is something human. Which I, which I think we all agree, yeah. um, a fetus, a blastocyst, a bag of cells is human. And when does it have the rights of personhood that not only equal to, but trump the rights of the being upon whom it is dependent to live? That's actually the, that is the legal question. Yeah. And what's difficult is the personhood question, when does something become a person? We don't have like a, we don't have something that like, that tells us what that right. is. Um, and that's, actually what, which is why, which is why laws always change. Personhood 
is viability and viability changes yeah. all the time based on science and technology. Right. So 20, we'll say 20, um, I don't think we've had a fetus survive before 21 weeks without, without support. Right. Um, so right. a lot of people would say, but to be my favorite pushback on that though, is if I had my baby, cause I had both my babies at, um, past my due date. So if I had left them on the floor and just with no support, that they also wouldn't be viable. Like we still are responsible for supporting them, viability or no viability. I always like that argument because it's like, well, of course they need support. They can't eat on their own. But, you know? but then again, you could say that about literally anybody. Any, right? anything, I, I mean, right, that just right. sort of, it, it kind of feels like it kind of runs into the absurd eventually because you're sort of like, yeah. It's one of those debates that it's fun if the other person right, right. Having the debate. Because eventually you end up with this sort of like, yeah, I just it just feels absurd eventually. Like obviously there's a difference between being able to breathe yeah. on your own and and needing your mom to cook you breakfast in the morning because you're four, right? Like like there, right. like I think we can like we can conceptually agree with that. Um but I really think that where where like the rubber hits the road on this is the legal decision that's going to come about because of, I think, a shared belief that people have with you, Ellen, that um, that personhood, that rights begin at conception. So I think, Ellen, you know, this is really helpful because I think it's important for us to trace out what that means. Because right now, like, more or less what you're saying is I recognize that I, I believe life begins at conception but I recognize other people don't believe that. And so they can make a different decision. Um, and so I guess the question would be, how much do you really believe that if you're willing to say, I'm actually okay with somebody murdering someone, right? Like it's, you can't, it can't really, this is what I mean about exceptions. It can't be both. We can't say this is a person at five or six days old and um, they have all the rights of a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a 70-year-old, an 80-year-old, but we're okay with some people murdering those people. Like, well, I'm is- not, but I'm, I'm, oh, you're saying, you're talking about because I said, I believe that it's in a woman's right to choose. Right. And the reason I've landed there is because until we get to a point where abortion is not felt necessary, I don't think making it illegal is going to solve any problem. And so I do think it's a snuffing of life. Um, I don't say murder because legally that's not the term that's correct. I guess I do. I forget, no, I guess no, but it would killing, be like, if killing. You, like if you um, took a viable, um, like a viable pregnancy, 23 weeks and you induced or, or you, you know, did something to end that pregnancy, that would be murder. And so if you're saying that that life actually begins and has rights at conception at hour zero, then it's not just snuffing out life. It's murder. Well, I think like, I feel that it's murder, but our, the language in our law says that it is not murder. And so I'm just careful about the language because I, I know that it is not legally murder as we stand today. But you think it's murder, right? I, uh, I don't think it should. Well, I'm, and I'm still like, I'm not black and white about it. I know that there's nuances, just like I said, with ectopic 
did I hear you correctly when you said that you you do believe that human life is created at the time of conception? Did you did you say that or were you describing somebody else? I I want to make sure I heard well, you. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't know what else we would call it, right? right. Like it's not like a fingernail right. or like right. something like something like something has happened. Um so that is that is human life. But um, consciousness is a big deal. Yeah, I think the question for me is 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 that personhood. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think more and more, again, sort of what you're saying about the science is that it feels like that's a really tough call to make yeah. and to legislate um, for for this country, which is exactly what we're seeing happen. Yeah. Um, and so, so this is why I actually think it is important for us to come to some sense of clarity that this, um, that, that this period of time between conception um, and um, viability is actually this unlegislatable area yep. is, is how I would how I would actually say it um, because it re- it requires um, a moral and ethical way of thinking about um, what is happening in that moment in each of these moments um, that depends on something outside of like do you think it's science again do you think it's because um, enough neural pathways have developed to for you to have a conscious being. Again, that would be around viability. Yeah. Is it when I and this is again like one of these um, pro-life misnomers, the heartbeat, right? Well, you just happen to have enough cells that like there's no like circular system like right. that's happening at at you know at 12 weeks. Like what you have is like like the beginning of of the of like the formation of heart cells that begin to move um, in rhythm. Um, is it because, is it when, like, you have to make these decisions? Um, is it like Ellen is saying, because DNA is formed and when new DNA is formed, that's like, that's a soul. Um, this moved around for the Christian church for years. Like Aquinas had this sort of like, oh, it's first. What's what's Aquinas? Thomas Aquinas, the theologian. Have you heard of him? Yeah. Just a pretty famous theologian. And he had sort of this theory of like that there was first a, like the like a vegetative soul and then an animal soul and then a human soul. Like mm. and there there just have been places that the church has been all over the yep. board, even within the church, like not even like within the greater social order um, that that has not been able to like to fully answer that question. And so what what I think is what makes sense to me is to say Like, we recognize the weightiness of this, right? Again, this is why I, when I originally, Joey reached out to me, I was like, I'm not like, oh, this is like no big deal. Like until the baby's viable, like you can just like, you know, I do like we do whatever you want with it, just hack it up. (laughs) Like, like, I think we, like, we have people who have miscarriages, right? Like, and this is like an incredibly, like, there is there is an emotional attachment. There is um, a sense of loss, like yeah. that is real. That is not just sort of like manufactured. Um, and and so I think there needs to be like some other way that we talk about the discernment um, for the church in that sort of conception to viability period that does not include the state using the apparatus of punishment and regulation. In order to um, uh, to make decisions which have 
overall, over and over again, been misogynistic, have been racist, and have largely been ableist. Um, and so we, so we, so this is where like my gray area is, is like, it doesn't have to be like, oh, this is equivalent to a one-year-old. Like that feels incredibly problematic to me. Like that is like, well, all of those hypotheticals are problematic. Like the IVF tube full of, you know, you've heard that, but it's like, would you, would you grab the five-year-old or the, and I had, so I did this on another podcast. It's like, I, it, that's a stupid argument because every human would look at the boy and take the boy because we're human, right? We have an emotional attachment to the living, breathing, breathing five-year-old. That's right. And, and I, there in Ohio last year, there was an IVF lab where one of the employees left the door ajar. 4,000 embryos were just murdering 4,000 people. Is that 4,000? Like, is that equivalent to like, that's like two at nine elevens, three and nine elevens, nine elevens. Is that, do we really want to like prosecute that man for 4,000 deaths? Because that is what it means to say that life begins at like that personhood begins at conception. That's right. That is the cost of this. It It means that women are going to go to jail for having abortions. Like that's what scares me is the criminality of it. That's why I I I always always keep myself from going off the ledge and and focusing on the women who are faced with these situations. And that is what has gotten me in the middle. I also think about like, if we're talking about consciousness, like what about people who are unconscious for a while? (laughs) Or it's like, are they not a person anyway? It's too, it's too much. It's too much. Let me give you this example that I think is like pretty, pretty heartrending of a family in my congregation decades ago. Um, I was not, alive at this moment when this happened. Um, <laughs> they, um, they had a baby with a congenital heart, di- heart disease. Um, and they were told they could go through this extensive four or five surgeries for this baby. And then they would be painful. They would most likely kill this baby on the table. Um, and that even if they were every single surgery was, they overcame these odds um, that it, this child would only live to be three and almost always be on oxygen, um, would it would like just incredibly poor quality of life. And they had to decide. Um, it's like, like, like act my actual worst nightmare. Like, yeah. You know what, you know what I, I think about that though, is like for the rest of, and I, I would hope that these people would never hear this, but I, for the rest of your life, when you make a choice like that, it wasn't the, congenital heart failure that killed that or that ended the life of that kid. It was the parent's choice that ended the life of that kid. And that is wild to me because it's like, Oh, you're uh, my child is um, you know, the heart is on the outside of the body, mm-hmm. but it's still within me. And, you know, life's going to look so rough for that baby, but then we're going to make, we're going to override and not give them a chance to decide what, whether the, the quality of their life is good enough or not. And a lot of people with Down syndrome um, who are pro-life will say, we are worth, we are worth it. Um, obviously, there are situations where 
I mean, I'm not saying having Down syndrome is similar to having the heart on the outside of your body, but um, right. I, and I have a hard time with people choosing whose lives are are worth living. You know, right? But Ellen, I think that that feels a little unfair to say your life is not worth living, and and also that we recognize that that someone living in pain for two years and not being able to breathe or dying on a, on a table. Like these are actual decisions that people that have to make all the time, Um, which would not be humane to, to is what you're, which is what that argument is, is to just say like, we want to put this basically put this baby out of their misery before it gets so bad that they, or what they did is they took that baby home and they loved it. And then it died in its, that baby died in its sleep 10 days after it got home. Um, and that's where I'm at too, is like, I believe that everything death should happen naturally, which is one of the tough things about the consistent life ethic, because I've also had to say, okay, if I'm going to do that, then I have to be against assisted death, which I want to be cool and liberal and be all for that because I think everybody has their choice, but am I, do I have, so it's tricky. Yeah. I mean, I think these are all like interrelated questions. Like when do you take someone off life support? Like these right. are, are they a person anymore if they don't have brain, brain activity? They're not, I mean, they're legally dead, right? Like they're right. This is, these are all the sort of like um, medical, but also meets these vastly uh, vast other criteria that are not that, that if we said that this couple who decided against the, these surgeries that they were told were not going to result in, in like a, in a good and healthy life, but would just be suffering for several years. Um, and they looked, they, they, of course, they looked at other families who did this. Like they, they followed this. It's not like they just, you know, woke up and were like, Oh, we know what we're going to do. Like they did all this research. And then they said, you know what, we just, this, and I just keep thinking like, what if we decided to legislate that? That mm-hmm. you were that you had to give your baby um, this heart surgery because what matters more than right. like your quality of life is like is survival, right? Which is not what yeah. Christians believe. We are people who believe in the resurrection. Like this is not the end of the story for us. Um, and so, I think we have all of these stories like this out there of people who are with ethics boards and doctors in their church communities and their families. Like, I, I don't know a lot of people who gleefully decide, like, I want to end my pregnancy. Like, pregnancies end by abortion because something went wrong. Um, it is always uh, like, like, this is not, not the thing that was supposed to happen. Um, right. Um, Although I do know, I working in a clinic for many, many years, I do came across, did come across several people that used it as a form of birth control, which is just an education thing, I think. Um, But there are a lot of people that don't, it isn't. Yeah. But I mean, but I do think it's fair to say every time it's something went wrong, right? Like, right. 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 It's like, ideally there, there would have not been a pregnancy. There would not have been a pregnancy. They don't want to be pregnant. It's this, right. Right. And so just making sure that we have this, um, this, this ability to say, perhaps we need something outside of the, of the state's system of punishment and to be able to navigate these because they require something beyond 
what is available for us um, legally um, be, beyond legal categories. Yeah. Do, do you make a connection? It seems like you do, but we've talked about people who are brain dead and that you disconnect them from the machines. They're gone. There's no brain activity to the prospect of uh, at like in an early, early, early pregnancy, there's no brain activity kind of, kind of same playing field. Is that kind of the thought process that you're toying with? Yeah. Well, just that we have to, that we make decisions. People make decisions all the time about the, about these spaces where, um, where the, the space between life and death is gray. Yeah. Right. We, we, we do make these decisions all the time. Um, and we make them with embryos. We make them with people on life support. We make them with decisions yep. about whether we're going to pursue surgery or not, whether we're going to we're going to do uh, put a um, do not resuscitate on our arm, right? Like that's the not, death penalty. Everybody seems super comfortable with, right? Yeah, I mean, all of these all of these things we live with this gray yep. all the time. Now, it is only because this has become a politicized way to um, to draw a base together um, around a deeply patriarchal, misogynistic form of legislation that that this has become what it is um, in, in the United States. Yeah. How about, and, and we can wrap this up, uh, well, what a note to wrap this up on, but partial birth abortion. Is that something that you see as kind of different territory? Because we are talking about typically, and uh, I'm not super educated on it, but I think we're talking about a, a, a human with consciousness at that point. Yeah. So it, so I think people in the medical field would say partial birth abortion is not like, a, that's not a term. That's, that's just some, that's something the pro-life movement came up to, came up with to sort of make this like a hot button issue. Yeah. Um, we're talking less than 1% of abortions happen in the third trimester. And they are always, always in the care of an ethics board at a hospital. And because that fetus cannot live outside the womb, the only place where there is any sort of um, differentiation for that is in um, Colorado, but in every state in the country, it is illegal. It is considered murder to, and the life of a fetus in the third trimester. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it does sound like some propaganda on the conservative side. Absolutely propaganda. The fact that this is like, that this is like the number one issue when we have approximately 30 to 50% of all fertilized eggs um, die or are gone or are eliminated like before a woman even knows that she has that, that that's happened to her. Have you ever seen legislation to find out why half of humanity is disappearing from, from, from the earth? No, the focus is on partial birth abortion, yeah. 1% of abortion for babies who are going to die. Often these are like, I don't know if you've read any of these stories. These are the most heartbreaking stories I have ever read. Like, when you get to that point, this is a child you wanted. Yeah. And, and you it, are, to me, it's, it's almost the same as a child being on a, like taking your child it's, to children's hospital yeah. to be like, 
take enough life support. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so instead of, so, so again, the, just again, the hypocrisy of this, that Republicans don't seem to be worried at all about the 50% of fertilized eggs that never make it. Um, I haven't seen any research about that. Right. Are you talking about IVF? No, just generally, just generally all like 50% of all fertilized eggs are never implanted. Oh, you're talking about like, um, miscarriage. Well, you can call it miscarriage, but like it's not nat- miscarriage. naturally just. Yeah. Because, it, because it's not implanted. It's only a miscarriage right. if a, if a fertilized egg is implanted. So before right. implantation and Ellen, you said that you think that this is when it's life. Well, this is why I'm anti, uh, um, certain forms of contraception, because if it makes like, um, like IUDs, for example, even the copper ones with no, um, hormones, it makes the uterus an uninhabitable place. And so if we are, if, so if you do get, um, a fertilized egg, you're making it so it can't implant. Um, and I think that that's pretty shitty. Um, just like if you had a, this is a bad example because I'm coming up with it on the fly, but if you had a, a person and you're saying like, nope, we're not going to feed you. We're not going to house you. Like to me, it's kind of the same vibe. And I, that's another one where it's like, oh, damn it. I, because I've landed on where I think life starts, I have to be like, a, I ethically opposed to those types of contraceptions that don't allow for implantation. Yeah, that's, it's not a fun place to be, girl. <laughs> that's a really tough place to be. Melissa, you're such a, a, a pleasant person, super intelligent. What would you have done <laughs> if you got on this podcast and, and it was two dudes and we were just combative? Like, would you have been, would you? I'm basically a dude that's combative, <laughs> Joey. Would you, have you ever, have you ever lost it a little bit? Have you ever been in a situation like that? You are very patient. Oh Melissa. yeah, Thank no, you. it's. I mean, I have, um, I lose it on Twitter all the time, um, but it's kind of like mediated because it's like the written, the written word. Um, but yeah, you know, I, um, yeah, like I, I really think that, um, it's a, it's a position that I think that more Christians are just like, we're gonna, we're gonna figure out like just how serious this is, um, in a few years, like women are going to go to prison. Yeah. Ew, that's for, really, oh, you're saying in a f- how bad oh, the yeah. legislation. Women are going to yeah. start going to yeah. prison for abortions. We are going to have a, like, just matern- maternal death. Rate. You, you really abortions. think that that is going to happen. Oh, it's already starting. We have Mississippi legislators who are already drafting legislation wow. for women to go to prison. And you think that that'll pass? Of course, and that Mississippi. Mississippi, Ellen. Ellen these lives are, in Seattle. No, maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's because I live women. in Seattle. These are hate laws against women. Against I know. I hey, I know that that's actually real, real legislation. I mean, but because I live in Seattle, yeah. and I, I'm like, no, nah, like, that's a utopia. Like world, the world is not Handmaid's Tale. I mean, Ellen, <laughs> we had an Ohio legislator say that pass legislation all the way through their their house requiring women to replant ectopic pregnancies into their wombs. I can't. I can't. Um, Joey, that is medically impossible. Yeah. 
It is. It's medically medi- impossible. Can we say the F word on this podcast? Yes. Yes. It's medically. I've already done impossible. it. Possible. Yeah. Like that is how. <laughs> like we are talking about idiots yeah. who are making these laws. This is white identity politics at work in conservative states. Yeah. And it will continue. The the people who will be on the losing end of this are going to be black and brown women, usually who already have a child in the home. Most women who have abortions have a child already that they are supporting. And why do I feel like conservative white women's, women's, women who have abortions are not going to be as effective as the black and brown women? they'll Hmm. They'll just get effective birth control. Yeah. And they'll be just given a slap on the wrist. Yeah. Just like we see black men going to yep. prison for it's a, it's a carceral shit. system that is already being set up to t- black women. Oh, Mississippi. <laughs>